this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. And if you're interested in having extra shows every week, go to the website and join and become a member. All you got to do is hit the join button, sign up to become a member, and you get an extra episode every Thursday, plus forums, live shows, things like that. So if that interests you, go ahead and do that today at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Now, thank you everybody who texted my brother Jack last week, happy birthday, who tried calling him. It really was a great celebration because he said that he got over 900 text messages last week from people who I gave his cell phone number out to on the show. So thank you very much for following through and texting Jack and making his life a little bit more difficult compared to what it would have been if he would have just listened to my show. So thank you very much. Now this week we have John coming on and John has had paranormal experiences, weird experiences, but he's also seen an alien entity in his backyard as a kid that was actually lit up by a green light. And then later on in life, he actually had his suspicions and his vision confirmed through somebody else who saw the same exact thing in that neighborhood. So let's get to John right now. Okay, today I have John on the show. John, how you doing, man? 
Doing pretty good, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing all right. We were trying to work out some technical difficulties here, but we finally got the show up and running. And uh, I'm glad we did because you have some uh, interesting stuff to talk about today. You have uh, alien encounters and some ghostly encounters and uh, even, you know, an interesting story from when you were a photo technician. So uh, why don't you, like we said earlier, start out chronological order. So that would start off this alien encounter. So what happened there, man? Let's just take it back about 1975. Um, it was probably in the late summer, early fall, of 1975. Um, and the reason I know that is because I remember the nights being, you know, pretty cool outside. And I'll tell you what, uh, a little further down the story, I'll tell you, um, why I knew it was that time of year. But, uh, basically to give you a little, uh, idea of the, uh, uh, geography of the area I lived in and, uh, there's a place uh, called Springboro, Ohio. It's uh, between Dayton and Cincinnati. And uh, it's probably about, <clears throat> I'd say probably 30 minutes or less from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And uh, uh, it was, we lived in uh, a street down there. It was uh, called Catawba Drive, and it was a little three-bedroom brick ranch house. Uh, and one of the things that stood out to me that I remember from living there when I was a kid is that, you know, we lived, our road was on a hill, so each neighbor's house, you know, kind of stair-stepped down the road as you went down the hill. And and our yard had a um, concrete retaining wall um, that kept our yard from colla- collapsing into the neighbors. and. Uh, and on top of that concrete wall was a chain link fence. And it was like a regular, I think it was a four or six foot fence. I, I don't remember specifically because uh, the fence is no longer there anymore. But um, my bedroom was towards the back of the house. And when I laid in my bed, I could actually see out my bedroom window that was faced the backyard. It was probably about a half acre of land or so, and uh, I uh, was laying in bed one night, and I heard the neighbor's dogs barking, and they knocked over the trash cans. They were making all kinds of commotion, and uh, I uh, got up from my bed and, and uh, walked over towards the window to look out. And uh, when I looked out the window, I saw this greenish color light coming from the sky, and uh, it was it was real bright. Uh, I, and it, on the ground in my backyard was this alien being walking uh, in the light, and the light was following it. And I, I couldn't see no spacecraft or anything like that. All I could see was just this being walking in my backyard with this green light shining on it. And it was the color of, um, I don't know if you remember slime when you were a kid, but that color green. Yeah. I remember specifically it being that color. And uh, I can't tell you, I can't make out a lot of details um, because. I didn't stay at the window very long. 
<laughs> in my parents' bed, screaming and hollering uh, that there was something walking around in the backyard. And, you know, of course, when you're a kid, your parents always tell you you had the bad dreams and stuff like that, but it definitely wasn't no dream. I remember, you know, it was clear, you know, clear today as well. And uh, my mom also recalls me having that incident when I was young. Uh, so I, I can't tell you any other details other than that, but during that time, the same period of time, I um, developed sleepwalking issue. And uh, I would start sleepwalking and I don't know if this is shortly before I saw the dating uh, being in my yard or after, but I actually woke up walking out my front door one morning and that's how I knew I sleepwalked and I don't do that anymore, but um, you know, during that period of time also I um, uh, I uh, <laughs> developed a fear of humming noises and up to about the age of 10. So if if, uh, if I heard on the TV that was humming or static coming, you know, back then we didn't have cable, so you know you had to tune your rabbit ears or, or whatever, and if it goes static or something, it was you know, I'd start hard to turn it off, and that was a fear I had all the way up to about 10 years old. I don't know where that came from, but it all seemed to stem from, from that experience uh, that I had. And lastly, while we were at that house, we lived there a couple of years, um, I had uh, woke up one morning with a collapsed trachea and I couldn't breathe. And uh, my parents took me to the hospital. And uh, I spent five days, about a, about a week almost, in an oxygen tent. And uh, they weren't sure what caused it. I had had no injury. Um, but, uh, you know, I, just, I woke up in the middle of the night for no apparent reason and couldn't breathe. Was, you know, and they don't know what happened to my throat. But um, I'll uh, fast forward to <clears throat> about 1989, uh, between 75 and 1989, I had lived out away from the Springboro area. And I'd moved back in my senior year. Um, my father had lived there for a long time. I moved in with my father to finish out my last year of high school. And I'd, I'd met this girl there that we started dating and, uh, you know, become my first wife. And we had three kids together. But um, in 1989, though, uh, while I was still a senior, um, I uh, was over at her house one day, and I was talking to her, her brother. She had uh, an older brother. He was uh, probably five years older than me, and uh, he was uh, stationed up in Alaska, uh, military base up there. And he was telling me about some of his experiences he had with uh, different lights and stuff like that in the sky. And uh, 
I uh, started talking about my story about the uh, spring girl about seeing that alien in my backyard. And I told him everything I just told you. And his hair was standing up on his arm. He got a little white, and I was like, "Man, what is wrong?" If it's you know, it's not that scary of a story. He said, uh, "Well, he said I have my best friend. He said lived over that way, and uh, said he told me the same story. And uh, oh. so I actually ended up introducing me to his friend. Like I never knew who his friend was. I didn't even know him. Um, so uh, he uh, one day I went to work with. He worked with his best friend, and he introduced me. And so his friend had seen the same thing I. Pretty cool gig. They would, they would go around to 
local restaurants and even bars, and they would uh, hire these women to uh, uh, model like uh, nightwear, negligees, and all that stuff. So I always enjoyed those kind of pictures. Doing <laughs> that work, it was much better than doing like the corner stuff. And uh, <clears throat> but, anyways, uh, I uh, back to the research laboratory. I I got in this envelope with some negatives in it and the guy wanted like uh, five by seven enlargements. Now I didn't even read the name on the envelope <clears throat> and it was one strip of negatives. It was like three or four uh, uh, images, frames. And uh, I popped in the first frame and up came on the screen was a grid of uh, coordinates of like the features of uh, of, of the alien being, and uh, it. I just remember it in school having to use grid paper, but uh, you know how it had all the little squares. Well, this would basically, if you can imagine, an outline of an alien. Um, and like in the corners of its eyes, it would have the coordinates on that grid, the nose, the hands, everything was like the location of everything. And I didn't actually see like a body, um, you know, a physical body right there, but it was like the outline of everything, uh, of a body. And uh, so I, because I had the experience I did in 75, all the way up through school and stuff, I was always fascinated with UFOs. I always wrote my term papers or whatever, Roswell, the Roswell incident or something like that. And and, uh, I called the number and uh, I asked for the guy that was on the paper. And it, it said the name of the medical research company on the, on the envelope and he got on the phone and I told him I says you know I'm processing your images right now and uh, I said I've always had a fascination with um, UFOs and stuff like that and I said you had an experience when I was a kid and I uh, said so what exactly is this and he says well hang on I nobody's going to believe you. He said, but that's from an alien autopsy. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. That's kind of weird. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's what it is. But, but uh, you ain't nobody going to believe you, so I ain't worried about it. And uh, so I uh, finished printing them and uh, put them in an envelope and he came in and picked them up later. And uh, so that was that experience. And then uh, fast forward a few more years, I think it was probably about right around 93 to 94, uh, I had gotten into, uh, I took this uh, computer repair course and I started kind of getting fascinated with computers. And uh, <clears throat> that was back... Uh, 
before you had really the internet, AOL just came out. I don't know if you remember going to the grocery store, but on every shelf, there was a three and a half inch floppy disk yeah. with a uh, 30 day free trial of America Online. <laughs> yep. And that just started like right after I got into the computers and, and anybody that was really messing with computers back during that time, you got familiar with uh, what was called bulletin boards. And uh, a bulletin board, basically, uh, you run a little you know, program on your computer. Uh, uh, it was like a file server. And uh, you have a modem in your computer. And, uh, you know, you hook your modem, uh, uh, modem to, into your, uh, your phone, incoming phone line. And then you could dial up other bulletin boards and they could dial yours and you could share files, get files from each other. And uh, that was back when, you know, you had the 14-4 modem, you know, it wasn't the fastest thing in the world. Um, but uh, it was a uh, a nonprofit organization and they were based out of wright Patterson Air Force Base from what I remember. And uh, they put out a flyer, a monthly flyer, and I guess I can probably say the name of it. It's not just it out, but it was called, I remember specifically, it was called DRAM. And I remember it because DRAM, you know, back in the day, was still, was, I guess, dynamic RAM. And uh, in, in that magazine, they would write little articles about some of the current technology in the computer field and stuff. And it was something, you know, like 10 or 15 pages and you'd, you'd pick it up in your local computer hardware supply store, you know, you didn't go to Best Buy back then to get a computer. You went to a, uh, basically a little computer outlet that would custom build a computer for you and you put together, pick out your video card and what hard drive you want, amount of RAM, everything, we custom, you know, custom build them for you. And, uh, so, um, anyways, uh, on the back of the the magazine was a list of bulletin boards, and uh, every every new uh, uh, fire that came out seemed like there was always another one added, and uh, so I would go through and find the local bulletin boards that I'd have to call long distance to connect my computer to. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, the guy had like multiple phone lines in his house. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you had a better chance of getting on one. Cause every time you went to try to, to dial up someone's bulletin board, you know, it was a busy, get a busy signal. Yeah. And, uh, so I found this one, and I remember the name of it. It was called Refrigerator. And uh, it was local number for me. So I dialed into it, and I was searching around. I uh, put in QFO uh, or something. I don't know what I, keyword I used to search it. But anyways, I came across uh, uh, a file that said Project Blue Book. And I, I didn't know what Project Blue Book was. Um, you know, even though I had some fascination with, uh, in my, in my experiences over time, I, I never even heard of Project Blue Book. And, 
there's a description on the file, and the guy had said, I've uploaded this several times, but it keeps getting deleted off my computer. I was like, oh, it must be good, so I downloaded it. And uh, I went through it. And uh, I stopped reading after, I don't know, a few pages, and I guess it got kind of a little bit creepy, but... Um, you know, recently I checked uh, to see if, if Project Blue Book was legitimate, and I guess it it, it was. Um, and it was something that part of, I guess, the uh, government had uh, kind of uh, shut down. I guess around the late sixties, early seventies. But apparently, some what was in this Project Blue Book I downloaded stuff was still going on up until in the late eighties. Because when I uh, started reading, uh, uh, it got into an alien autopsy. And I actually went into detail and said that the, that the federal government had eight of these aliens in captivity. I think up until around somewhere between 87 and 89. And out of those, two of them were supposedly still living at that time. Um, and um, the, the the autopsy part uh, went in to talk about how they have, I guess, a brain and two separate hemispheres, and that uh, how that they uh, their waste, the way they excrete their waste is through their skin, and then. Uh, their, the best diet for them is a liquid diet because the way the digestive system is. And it, right after that is when I stopped reading it because it was a little too crazy. But uh, that's about the gist of my uh, eating experiences. Yeah. You know, John, I, I find it interesting because when I was a kid, I remember getting on the internet and I would search similar things like aliens and things like that. And I had, I don't remember very much as far as where I was on the internet to see this stuff. But I mean, we're talking about, you know, the late nineties and I remember coming across these images of these alien bodies and it scared me so bad because it looked so real and I had never yeah. seen anything that looked that real on TV or in movies. Like we're talking about, you know, 20 some years ago where technology wasn't what it is now. And when you had a computer image of something on TV that was supposed to be quote unquote real, you could tell it was fake. And this didn't look yeah. fake at all. It was like these dead bodies laying on this like table. And it scared me so bad. It makes me wonder if like in the early 90s, kind of like in the, in the 90s when the internet was really becoming popular or not popular but public mm -hmm. i mean it makes me wonder if like right. a lot of this stuff was leaked on the internet in the early days and people could see this stuff and they locked it down later on i mean is that how you feel about it oh exactly yeah i mean i from what i told you that's what i do for a living uh, is i mean i work in the it field and you know back then you know, like i said you know you dial up uh another guy's uh, uh, modem, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, search through his computer for files and download the files. But, you know, the government, 
any anybody that had computer systems back in those days and even up into uh late nineties had uh, analog modems so that you could, you know, download your patches from your vendors for your software or you know uh, share files and everything. So the and the uh, security technology has come a long way so people had a lot of holes in their system they didn't know it back then. So there's a a lot of that information was accessible, and people didn't know that, you know, those files were being accessed from their systems, um, like, they, like they can today. Um, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, that's about, like I said, that's about all of my uh, experience with uh, extraterrestrial stuff. But I wanted to ask you a little I, bit. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that before we go any further. Uh, When you were a kid and you saw what you saw, uh, do you think that there was any interaction that you might have had that you forgot about with this thing that you saw walking outside? Because the reason why I ask that is because it seems like you clearly had uh, some kind of side effect maybe from this where the humming noises scared you. I mean, that's kind of very out of left field odd. And then on top of that, the sleepwalking, you're not sure if it was before or after, but you distinctly remember sleepwalking around that time. Do you think that there was an interaction that you had with these things that maybe you just don't remember? Well, I mean, there could be that possibility. I don't remember. But uh, I uh, I know that, you know, my family's, at least from my grandmother's side, is very sensitive to things. I was very sensitive as a kid. I still am today. I mean, there's some places I won't go if I don't if I get don't get a good vibe from it. But uh, uh, yeah, I certainly hope not. Um, I don't know what they would have got out of me back then. You know, five year old. It's not. Yeah. Or, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I I don't recall anything. I don't recall any experiences, you know, seeing them up close or being transported somewhere or anything like that. The only thing I, like I said, I recall is some sleep, weird sleepwalking and humming noises, definitely. I don't know what it was about humming noises, but I did not like them. And, uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought maybe one day I might, you know, go to one of those People that you know do, does that reverse psychology, not reverse psychology, but reverse uh, therapy type thing, where they take you back in time and maybe see if something happened. With the whole photo lab thing that you were working in, and you were a tech there, uh, what makes you think that? Why would they even risk it? I mean, if you're talking about some kind of underground uh, operation here, why would they? choose to use a public facility you would think that they would have some kind of like their own facility that do to do the things that you were doing you would think so but you know one you know back then you didn't have a lot of one-hour labs i mean they, they started getting popular shortly after ours but you know if you wanted something quick you know you come to us and we get it right back to you within an hour um, and that's something I can figure out. I don't know. I mean, I had a, I had a, um, my own photo lab at my house. My father was a photographer in the army. I'm photography all my life. And, 
<clears throat> you know, it was back then. It was uh, you, you know you had to have a lot of equipment to to develop your own pictures, and it was expensive. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I would have, I would suspect that they probably would have had probably not our type of enlargement machine, a commercial grade, but uh, they would probably had their own photo lab. I would have thought. And process your own stuff, and uh, you know, it could always been some guy, uh, you know, just making something up. I don't know, but he went to a lot of trouble, you know, to just make something up for himself. So, yeah, and you know that that's the thing with with that whole concept is that if he was just making something up and trying to you know pull somebody's leg, I mean. I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand that, that why somebody would do something like that. Like I, if I was going to hoax something, I would hoax it in the sense that I wanted to go big on a big scale, not just something, you know, where, Hey, the local photo tech guy is going to get a little chuckle out of this and ha ha ha. But like, I mean, cause that's all it was. I mean, it's not like you went public with it. It's not like it went any further right. than you. And, uh, if it clearly in those days there was internet, I mean, you would think that somebody, if they're trying to hoax something, put it up on the internet, put it in one of these forums, these these bulletin boards, and let people see it and get traction going. I mean, that's how people did did stuff back then. It wouldn't be, you know, to, yeah. to go to a a local photo place and have them see this what should be top secret uh, layout. Yeah, you know, and it's just I, I don't know the people. You know, back then, it's like people had this impression that, like, we didn't see what we printed out. Uh, and, and to give you an example, uh, <clears throat> I remember uh, one time we actually we actually called a child molester uh, when I looked at that lab uh, because when we printed out pictures, we went through and checked all of them and uh, to make sure that, you know, we didn't have them too dark or too light or, uh, you know, that the colors were correct on it. And I guess people were under the impression that we put them in some machine or just popped them out. We put them in a bag. We never looked at them. And that wasn't the case. And, uh, that, I mean, uh, we, I remember people asking that all the time. They didn't really realize that we looked at it. I mean, some of the pictures we used to get <laughs> for film, man, I'll tell you, uh, You'd be surprised what people take pictures of us in the but uh, <laughs> I bet life was good at sometimes. And yeah. sometimes you're like, eh, I mean, uh, uh, no, I don't want to see this. There was, yeah, there were specific people that sent stuff in all the time. I was like, doesn't this person realize that they're looking at this stuff they're sending in? Yeah, but you know, it happened. Um, so you said you actually caught a, you guys caught a child molester with that? Yeah, we did. Yeah, he dropped off a bowl of film. I won't go into details on it, but sure. uh, he dropped off a bowl of film, and uh, we spotted it in our lab, and uh, he was coming back for the one-hour processing, and uh, they uh, held him up and told him that you know we were having some issues, and the issues we were having, we were waiting for the police to show up. So we tried to hold him off, and they got him. And uh, I pretty wow. much caught red handed. Wow. You know, like, the, how, oh man, that guy must have been really dumb. 
really, really dumb. When you're doing something so illegal and so messed up and uh-huh. you go to the photo lab and they're like, oh, we're having issues. Clearly, the issue is the things that were you were you were trying to get printed. Book exactly. it, dude. Like, <laughs> how stupid can you be? Like, well, that's, <laughs> And that's what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of people do. They don't know like, they, you know, now you go to Walmart and just stick your uh, memory card in the uh, machine and brings up your image and print it out. You know, back then, people didn't think we really looked at stuff. Like they thought we put it in a machine and it automatically done it. And we put an envelope and we didn't see it. Uh, except, you know, people had custom enlargements done. They obviously knew, but the general person, I mean, it just, I, I encountered it all the time. You know, people just didn't know we actually looked through the pictures. And I would look through, I put this glove on, I looked through every single picture to make sure that it was the best print that we could do. Uh, for the customer, and, uh, and we, uh, like I said, we we even done stuff for the corners laboratory, and uh, I hated that. And it was just we'd have to go through every picture. I mean, one time we had not to get off tr- track here, but one time we had a uh, process uh, seven hundred black and white pictures for a uh, uh, a murder. Uh, I think it was around Dayton, Ohio, and. Uh, well, yeah, it was from the Dayton Corners Laboratory, so it was going to court in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, like I said, it was 700 black and white pictures. <clears throat> and uh, the guy that worked in the black and white lab there, after the first week, he took the next week off because it just got to him, and I had to go in and finish up some of them. And, you know, you see some weird stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Moving forward, I, I'll talk a little bit about my ghost experience. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the uh, so at, shortly after I had uh, had a experience with the alien, uh, walked in my backyard. Then moved to an area uh, called Carlisle, Ohio, and uh, <clears throat> we did a little farmhouse. And uh, the farmhouse, our, our driveway was probably about, uh, it had to be 800 to 1,000 feet off the main road. And uh, I remember, because we were living there during the blizzard of uh, I believe it was 77 or 78, when we had that big blizzard. And uh, there was, uh, I got a, in that house, I always had a bad feeling in the basement, and uh, just that house in general. And like I said, from a young age, I had uh, kind of just very sensitive stuff. Obviously, the noises, the humming noises, but uh, I guess you'd call it intuition. Um, pretty sensitive to that kind of stuff. I knew uh, my sister. My younger sister, one day, uh, we're down in the basement. I had this old water canteen. It's a plastic canteen. And I used to wear it on my side because I always thought that was in the arm, you know. And uh, I uh, laid it in a shower stall in the basement. And, you know, it was kind of an unfinished basement. And it had a, uh, a concrete shower down there. And then one room. And then, of course, we had the uh, 
washer and dryer down there. And that was about it. You know, it was kind of one of those damp, unpainted, creepy basements uh, that did have a concrete floor and stuff, you know. But um, I put that canteen in the floor of that shower. I told my sister, I said, if that if that canteen moves, you run. And I don't know why I thought it was, but uh, I, I had water. It was half full of water. I was letting it drain out. And it, it scooted across the shower floor. And, uh, <clears throat> man, we, we, we hauled butt up the stairs, petrified. And, and I was like, I knew this place was haunted. And, you know, I'd, I'd be laying in bed at night and, I get a feeling like something was in the hallway or somewhere, and I was kind of kid that, even though I was scared, I would kind of go face it type thing, and I would uh, get out of my bed and go in the hallway, and you know my heart would be racing, I'd be feeling like there's something there, and I'd go looking to see if it was there. I remember that that one time I saw a uh, full body apparition of a excuse me, apparition of the male uh, in my parents' bedroom. And uh, I could see through it. And I could see it walking by their bedroom door. Um, and one other time I was laying in bed and my bed lifted up off the floor. And I don't know how far it lifted off the floor, but... Uh, my feet were on the ground pretty quick uh, when I felt that. <laughs> I was, I uh, headed in my bed, parents' bedroom and told them what happened. Um, and then, uh, so that's all. We didn't stay there too long. We moved, we moved a lot when I was a kid. Um, we moved to... Uh, Place uh, close to uh, uh, Middletown, Ohio, and it was a, a split foyer house that my uh, grandparents had owned, and uh, they had uh, they had lived in another house about two homes down, and this house came up, and I guess the people fell in hard times. So my grandfather uh, bought the house from them, and uh, he sold the house they lived in, moved into this split foyer. And uh, when you walked in the front door, if you look straight up, there was a uh, up, there was a living room to your left, a kitchen to the right. But straight up in front of you, uh, upstairs, was three bedrooms, and you could see them. There was a railing that went across. And uh, my grandparents' bedroom was to the far right, and when I stayed in, I stayed with my grandparents a lot when I was a kid too. I just, I idolized my grandfather, so um, I wanted to spend as much time with him as I could. And so they'd, when I'd stay there, I'd stay in the middle bedroom, but every night I would uh, get up, I would leave that bedroom and go in their bedroom because I just got a feeling that something was watching and uh, felt like something wasn't right in that bedroom. And I'd either crawl up and lay between them or sit down near the bed. Um, on the floor, and uh, I felt like something was off in that house. And 
we eventually, uh, they eventually moved uh, down to Texas, and from there I moved, uh, um, well, yeah, they moved to Texas, and <coughs> at some point, my uncle, and their son, rented the house for them while they were down in Texas. And uh, he would come in sometimes from work. He'd get in real early from work about uh, 2 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he'd go take a nap sometimes because he'd go, he'd leave for like 2 o'clock in the morning go to work. So he'd go put on a full day. And uh, he told me one time that uh, he laid down in that middle bedroom and he woke up and something was holding him down on the bed. And he couldn't see what it was. He couldn't get out of the bed. And all he could do was start praying to God that whatever it was would leave. And eventually it did, but it was confirmation to me that something was always off in that bedroom. And I don't know. I just felt like there's some type of evil spirit or something. Of course, he, he thought that as well, especially after his experience. Um... And then, um, let's see, fast forward to where I currently live, um, we'd, uh, uh, live here close to Fredericksburg, Virginia now, lived in this area for about a little over 21 years, um, and, uh, uh, we have a little three-bedroom house here in my, like a, uh, private gated community and uh nice little place with some woods and a lake and uh this house uh, that I lived in was built in nineteen eighty four and I'm actually knew the previous owner. Um I used to come over here and help my grandfather my grandparents actually moved here to Virginia, I kinda of followed them. And uh my granddad, when he retired, used to mow her grass. So that place came up for sale, and I ended up making an offer on it. Moved into it. Well, I know she was the only person that lived here uh, after it was built. And uh, the first thing I noticed, uh, let me give you a little background about this area. Um, uh, we're right in the middle of the Civil War uh, battlefield. And uh, if you ever look up battle. Battle of Wilderness. Uh, the battle was fought around here. Of course, everywhere in Northern Virginia, there's some type of uh, historical civil war uh, place or monument or something. But uh, this area where I lived, the, the woods caught on fire during the Civil War battle. A lot of soldiers burned up alive during during the war. So there is some. Uh, a lot of uh, history here. Uh, and, <clears throat> but, uh, anyways, uh, I started coming up from work and I noticed the, there was a picture of my daughter that I had, my little friend, and I was sitting on a uh, old table by our door when we come in and look at other pictures, but every time I come in, that picture was face down. And uh, I uh, thought possibly, well, it was a bad frame. You know, 
picture frame. I messed with it a little bit. And I was like, it don't seem like it's wobbly. And, I, you know, I started noticing it more often. So I said to my wife, I said, why is that picture down? So I've noticed, you know, I come in from work and out of all the pictures, hers is one face down. And uh, so <clears throat> one night I was took a picture and I set it between me and a little table beside my recliner. And then on the other side of that table was another recliner. And I set it right there and faced it towards me. Now I went to bed that night and about an hour or so later I got up and the first thing on my mind was I'm going to go check that picture and I came out here in the living room looked at it and it was turned the opposite way on the far side of the table it had been moved. Uh, and the um, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um we haven't really had any much of anything else. Uh, my wife, much of anything else besides that, other than my wife, uh, one night got uh, something tapped her on the back of the shoulder. Uh, and she said, uh, hold on, see, I'll be just a minute, honey. And she was in the middle of bed and she thought it was me. She turned around, nobody's there. And I kind of freaked her out. Um, and my wife, uh, we were on our way home one night, and uh, <clears throat> it was late, and we were coming back from somewhere, and she said, what are those guys doing on the side of the road? I'm like, what guys? I don't see anybody. And she said, it was back there. We're just passing. And when she described him, it was a description of what well, Civil War soldiers um, were back then during the war. And I noticed on Facebook, like within a week after, which was weird, so uh, several people around here was reporting seeing um, ghosts uh, up by the battlefield uh, crossing uh, the road down here, which is Route 20. Um, so there's some ghost activity. I know a person down down the street from me that my dad to sell their home because they actually had a full apparition in it uh, of a Civil War ghost. And uh, their family wouldn't come and stay with them. And it was my uh, grandpa actually done some work for the lady. And she said that still my grand when he asked her why she sell the place, he said that uh, her daughter comes down here from Maryland to stay with her. And uh, she has a Civil War ghost in her house, and when her daughter saw it, she would not come back, so she had to sell her house further in Northern Virginia. Uh, but uh, that's about the gist of my experiences. And I guess that's <laughs> more, one reason I'm more open to what other people see, because... You know, my experiences, you know, being young, it makes, I guess I feel more open to other people's experience. And today I pretty much, I'm not into UFOs or paranormal stuff. I, I'm big time in the Sasquatch. Not that I want to see one, 
But uh, that's actually how I came across your show was on uh, Wes Gerber's uh, Sasquatch Chronicles. And we listen to that like every day. So we hear you every time you jump on there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I didn't want to tell my story to feel like I need to get it off my chest because it really don't bother me. I mean, um, I, you know, I never felt like I needed somebody to talk to about my experience and I didn't care if people really believe my experience or not, but it did happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was just more curious if people, anybody else other than the other person I met seen the same thing I did, you know, Springboro, Ohio, 1975. <laughs> uh, back then it yeah. was a township. I think that now, you know, now it's, uh, as a matter of fact, in the late eighties, it was still a township. I think it might be a city now, you know, cause of, it's grown so much, but uh, but you know, I'm just you know, there's a lot of people that's reported seeing uh, aliens, UFOs, Sasquatch, or whatever, and uh, a lot too many reportings for you know for people to not really be seeing something. I mean, if one person right. is telling the truth, then something is exists. So. Uh, have an open mind and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I grew up in church. Um, you know, and I, you know, people say, well, you know, I don't, it doesn't talk about Bigfoot and aliens and stuff in the Bible, but it doesn't say they don't exist. So that tells me they could exist, you know? Sure. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit, John, about that interaction you had with the guy who saw what you saw when it came to the alien encounter. What was that like, you know, sitting down and talking to somebody who saw what you saw? And it wasn't the same exact day and time, right? No, it wasn't. No, it was actually probably a year or two later because I actually ended up marrying marrying, uh, uh, this girl I was dating and her brother and him worked together. They were tool and die makers. And when I went to see him, we didn't talk, we didn't talk much about the experience. <laughs> it was like, Hey, this is a guy I was telling me about. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about now, you know, that type of deal. Uh, you know, we just didn't really bring much up about the experience, but, it was basically, I mean, it, it was the same thing I saw at the same time, you know, in the same area, which was good enough for me. It was like, sure, uh, I remember that for all these years for some reason. Uh, obviously, it happened. Yeah, now, with that alien entity that you saw walking, I mean, how tall was this thing? Was it like a short little thing, or was it tall? Because I've heard of reports of them being, you know, seven, eight feet tall and all the way down to three feet tall. It was... It was short. It was about the size I was, and I was five years old. So it couldn't have been much over four feet, if that. Probably, maybe not even okay. that. Uh, but, uh, and it, it seemed to me it had some type of uniform on. Uh, that's what I recall, but I can't recall the details of it. Because I said, you know, here... I look out the window, I see this bright light, and I'm falling it down to the ground. You know, it's like coming from the roof of my house type thing. And when I fall it down to the ground, it's like it just 
being walking in my backyard. And uh, the dogs are still going nuts. You know, you can get the chain. They're trying to get through the chain link fence. Um, trash cans being knocked all around for a, kind of a kind of loud, loud enough to get me out of bed uh, to walk over the window and see what was going on in my backyard. Yeah. Well, John, man, I really appreciate you sharing these stories and stuff because uh, it's not every day you get to talk to somebody who actually saw one of these entities and in the situation that you saw it, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't like you were, you know, being abducted or anything like that. You just, you looked out your window, you saw what you saw. And then the fact that you had somebody else cooperate your story years later saying they saw the same exact thing. I mean, that has to make you feel good. It has to make you feel like you're not going insane or you made something up or dreamt something. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was was a good confirmation. And my mom will even confirm it, you know, because, you know, it's not long ago. I said, hey, you remember that time I saw that Eddie in our backyard? I said, yeah, I remember. Yeah, she she never forgot it either. I was pretty petrified when it happened. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I guess it was a little different because I actually saw an alien being versus seeing like a UFO or something. Which is one reason I wanted to share my story. It was a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, Not like I was abducted or anything. No, but it definitely definitely interesting and you know, down to the photo lab story and everything. Uh, man, I just want to say thank you very much for sharing that with us and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing. Well, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I hope somebody else says, you know, yeah, I saw uh, something like that around the same time. That'd be kind of cool. But thanks, Johnny, for having me on, and I enjoy listening to your show. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, email. I don't care how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. And if you want to be always up to date on important information coming from the confessionals, consider joining our text message community called First in Line. First in Line is a text message community that I have developed for you, the listener, so you always know what's coming out from the confessionals that you need to know. So how do you join it, you say? All you have to do is text the word YUP, Y-U-P, to 844-215-0819. That's 844-215-0819. Text the word YUP, Y-U-P, to that number, and you'll be automatically registered to receive free text messages from yours truly. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Wait, don't speak, don't want to hear all your warnings, don't get what happened before me. Wait, don't leave. Nothing this easy is worth it Nothing this worth it is perfect Yeah I've been thinking to myself To myself I want you to myself No one else Even if it gives me hell Baby I would take it all for ya If you're gonna hurt someone Then let it be me If 
Let it be me. Let it be me. 